Hello, welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast by Wales Online. I'm Ben James. As ever, I'm joined by Matthew Southcombe. How are you doing, Matt? Not too bad, thanks. How are you? Very well, very well good, indeed. Good, good. It's Already? Been, it's been a long time, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been a long time, yeah. I suppose we should start with a, an apology to our listeners. We've been we've been on a hiatus. Uh, we've been hiding away in uh, Media Wales Towers. Um, we've been trying to come up with a, a new way of doing our podcast, uh, investing in some equipment. Um, hopefully oh. you can... Listen to the difference. They've they've uh, let us loose on some new gear, which is always exciting. It's very um, exciting. It is indeed, and you'll hear that come to fruition later on in the podcast when we get Mark in from our Swansea office. Always exciting. Um, and yeah, so we're, we're revamping the podcast. It's being relaunched. This is the first one of the new season. Obviously, we're going to have a lot to talk about over the next few months with the Rugby World Cup coming up in Japan. So... Yeah, it should be good times. We'll keep you posted on everything that's going to be going on um, and we'll give you a little bit of a, an introduction now as to, to what to expect. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. You know, we've got some lovely new equipment, which um, I'm sure either me or Matt will probably tweet out a picture or you'll, probably, you'll, you'll see somewhere, you know, we'll probably video it, just, you know, sh- show off us, us looking nice and, and flash with, it, with the headphones and the mics, you know. Just, all, all the gear, no idea. Yeah, you know, new toys, like, like a kid like a kid at Christmas really, aren't we? Mm. But uh, yeah, this is going to be it now. It's going to be... Um, more podcasts a week, which is exciting. Um, aiming three podcasts a week is what we're sort of looking at. Yeah, so I mean, going out into Japan, we're putting together our plan now, and and you can expect um, we're going to try and get three podcasts out a week. Um, one around team announcements, one around the match, obviously, and then one more um, throughout the week. Obviously, with with the schedule of the World Cup um, as it is, it's a bit all over the place. Um, Wales have got a sort of a six-day break and a 10-day break and a three-day break. So we can't say that they're going to be on the same day uh, every uh, every week at the moment. Um, when we get back into the normal run of the season, then we can probably start making a few more promises on when to expect them. But for the time being, uh, particularly during the World Cup, uh, just trust us that we're going to get them out. We'll always tell you when yeah. when to expect them as well. Um, so yeah, just keep a year, keep a year out for us and... Um, and we'll keep you posted. Absolutely, because it's it's obviously it's an exciting time for the podcast. Uh, it's an exciting time for yourself as well, Matthew. Yes, you've got a nice little uh, got a nice ho- little ho- holiday in got, inverted commas. Got a nice little holiday coming up. Yeah, so I'll be going out to Japan. Um, could be a it could be a seven week trip all all told, um, which is exciting. Well, he's hoping. Well, he's <laughs> hoping. Yeah. So my my remit basically is I'll be out there as long as as long as the team are there. So. Um, we fly out myself one day after the squad um, in September uh, go down to Kitakushu for the acclimatisation camp for a, a couple of days and then we're up to Toyota City for the first game against Georgia on September the 23rd and it's it's full steam ahead then you've got Tokyo uh, for Australia then it's down for uh, Fiji and Uruguay down south so you know exciting times um, nerve wracking as well gotta be honest yeah. bit nervous about it bit of trepidation in there as well Ben you know Japan is a is is a different place, totally different place to to what we've got up here. Um, do do Greg's ship cheese and hamburgers? Well, this is it. I mean, if 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 I can get in touch with the local authorities and sort out some sort of supply of cheese and hamburgers, then that would be sensational. Um, we're cooking with gas. Yeah, well, yeah, we will be cooking with gas. Yeah, I've, I was out there actually um, last year in March um, just to have a look around Toyota City, where Wales will play their first game. And um, I did sample some of the local delicacy. Um, I got to be honest, seafood's not not high on my list, um, but it's all right. You know, you get by. I mean, it's seven weeks of eating, probably eating food that I wouldn't normally eat. You know, in a country that I don't understand and that probably doesn't understand me particularly well. So, 
you know that being said it's it's, it's going to be a fantastic experience um you know fortunate enough to have done a fair bit of traveling in my time but never to never to asia really apart from that three-day trip i had out there last year so you know it's, it's gonna get a good chance to sample something new um whilst obviously following wales in a world cup and i suppose it's not lost on you as well that you're you're the western wales um rugby correspondent during a world cup you know there's a lot of a lot of sort of pressure that comes with that i guess and you know it's it's a it's a bit of an honor as well to be out there you know covering it for the newspapers a lot of great writers have, have done it before me as well so yeah it's a case of not letting the side down is 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 the overriding emotion to be honest absolutely we'll, we'll all be sort of backing you from from here in in, in in the office sort of making sure that everything runs smoothly for you out there well this is the thing i mean during the lions tour in new zealand in 2017 obviously there was a similar you know the time difference is similar maybe not the same yep. um but i i was sort of the, the man covering it from from the uk for us um or provide not not just me obviously but yeah, i was providing very good job as well providing a lot of support for simon thomas who was on the ground out in new zealand so that basically involved a lot of early early morning shifts i think the team announcement for the second test was actually overnight so that involved an overnight shift and you know i think the um i think you guys back here are going to be working some funky hours uh because of the way that the press conferences are going to fall out there um yeah yeah uk telling the press conferences are going to be um early hours of the morning job um so i mean the good news is for for our readers in the uk and our listeners um is that by the time they get out of bed um we should have a, a website full of content ready for, ready for you to look at and ready to go um we're going to be doing daily um video updates as well so you'll be able to see my see my face when you get out of bed and i'll be telling you everything that happened um whilst you were sleeping um giving you a quick world cup uh, i think we're going to do a world cup in 90 seconds job so that's yep. a, a nice swift one for you um, just to have a wake up and have a quick look at. Um, there's also going to be an opportunity as well if you look at if you ask your Alexa what what the crack is with Wales or what the what the news is in Wales today. Um, we'll have a lot of rugby stuff on there ready to go. Um, so Alexa's going to be talking to you as well, letting you know what's happening. So you know, there's really uh, we got all bases covered. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I don't I don't really remember what sort of times you started. In New Zealand shifts, because for one, I did, I wasn't working at the oh, time. Oh yeah, this was I this was, was uh, this was BBJ before Ben James. Before Ben James, I was actually I was I was out in New Zealand actually uh, on. Those were your just, final just, yes. final days as a fan. Final days as a fan. I, was yeah. back, I, was, I started in the office a week after I got back, so that was never never quite got over the jet lag to be honest. But <laughs> I, um, I could tell. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's going to be. I'm not sure what time the shifts will start yet, but the indication is it's going to be sort of around the 3 a.m. mark. And then obviously presses are going to be 5 a.m. times. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's an exciting thing because we'll probably be recording a lot of our podcasts 7.30, 9 o'clock. Mm. So yeah, you know, by the time all, all all you people get to roll out of your bed at, at sensible hours, you should have plenty of stuff to, to sort of... Well, digest. This is, well, this is it, and as we alluded to earlier, it's been a summer of uh, of uh, exciting ideas being banded around um, in terms of our coverage for the World Cup. And there's there's one more thing that we're we're not quite ready to to reveal yet, and hopefully that'll come to fruition in the next sort of few days, and and we can make some yeah. more exciting announcements on on how we're going to cover the tournament. Um, but yeah, basically the bottom line is it's, it's all bases covered and and pretty much all set, ready to go. Now we just got the. Um, you know the warm-up games to to come, and we'll we'll chat to Mark about those uh, in a little while. But yeah, it's uh, we're all set up, ready to go, and and you can expect to hear our voices if you subscribe to our podcast um, on a regular basis. 
when you subscribe to our podcast. When, yes, when, exactly. Yeah, you've been, you've been racking up the uh, the old air miles recently. Obviously, you did a nice little trip to Argentina last mm. year, which is it's, it's a good practice run for sort of Japan, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it was, um, you know, if you could look at it like that. And it's a similar thing for the team as well, because they had a very experimental side out there. Um, that tour in particular was massive, I think. Um, you know, they came away from that three wins out of three, kept this unbeaten run going with, you know, a, a very experimental side. A lot of players really stood up and, and were accounted for on that tour, um, and it stood them in good stead for the, for the um, the twenty eighteen nineteen season. Um, you know, we we were a long way from home, and we were in some cities out in Argentina, and you do feel a particularly long way from home. Uh, we were out in the sticks for two tests in Argentina. Um, you know, there were three of us, um, three of us written journalists out there following this in, in like a small group, which is quite a small, small little press pack for for an international tour. And you know, you you were really away uh, away from it all, um, which was quite nice to be honest. Um, and then, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, um, out in Switzerland, um, just to have a quick look at, at what they were. Don't shake your head at me, Benjamin. I don't, I don't know how you get all look, these mate, trips. Someone's got to do it. <laughs> Someone's got it's to a, do it. It's a tough job, but someone's it, got to it do is, it. It is. It's hard work. Um, no, but seriously, yeah. So out in, out in Switzerland um, uh, for two days a couple of weeks ago just to see what they were getting up to out there. Um, went out there four years ago as well to have a look. Um, not much has changed really in, in Fisch itself, which is the little village up in the Swiss Alps that they um, that they use for the altitude. Um, Wales's training was slightly different. Um Paul Stridgen, the conditioning coach, was saying that they're in a, all the players are in better shape than they were four years ago, um, which has allowed them to bring in uh, more sort of handling and more rugby work, as they call it, um, as opposed to just doing flat out conditioning. Um, so when we were out there four years ago, they were still doing a lot of like it was a lot of running involved, a lot of power endurance circuits, lots of weights. You know, it it was very much getting the bodies ready for rugby whereas this time when we were out there there was a lot more rugby ball uh, work you know they they were doing um, a lot more phase play um, you know a, a little bit more on tactics and things like that yeah. um, saw Warren Gartland was out on the uh, on the pads yeah well, well that's that's one of the things you notice on those doors is that like everybody chips in and Warren Gatland was there on the tackle pads so I remember thinking Sean Edwards would be absolutely furious with that line speed he was, uh, yeah. he, was, yeah. he, was, he was up off the line dreadfully yeah slow. he was uh, yeah um, so yeah the, and then there was a bit of friendly fire I think Hadley Parks and Robin McBride collided it was a bit of a clash of heads um, I think Parks actually came out on top in that one as well and I tell you what there's not many people who get the um, the better of McBride in, in a physical confrontation Wales' strongest man 1992 oh, well, we, we interviewed McBride on the last day of that trip in Switzerland and we all shook hands at the start just to say hello and I tell you what that man has got the strongest handshake I've ever felt in world rugby very strong grip I'd proceed with caution if you ever meet Robbie McBride in a formal setting um but yeah, it was a, it was a good trip. Was, you know, they're you know aside from the fact that clearly they are working hard as as all teams are at this at this stage. Um, but you know, some you've seen some of the pictures coming back of some of the players as well. It does make you appreciate these guys are massive human beings and and um, in very good shape. You know, it, it, they look powerful um, and the numbers I'm sure reflect that as well they look very fit um they are being pushed or they were being pushed out in switzerland very hard um this week's obviously a test week so it's back to back to normal really 
um, preparing for that. But um, no, it was a good insight to get out to Switzerland um, and have a look at everything. You know, having covered this side, as you alluded to there, quite closely for the last um, last sort of year or so, um, there's a really good feeling around the squad. Um, they look like a squad who are comfortable in their own skin. You see them around the hotels and the press conferences. Everybody gets along. Um, there's, you know, there's no real divide in the squad. Um, and I've been very optimistic since that Argentina tour, to be honest with you. I don't think Wales have ever been, certainly... Um, in the Warren Gatland era in a better position than this to, to really challenge for a World Cup. Um, you know, you know, as we'll discuss later as well, we've already seen injuries. It's going to be a case of how many they kind of, you know, can manage. You know, how many do they get away with? You need a bit of luck to win these tournaments, as everybody will ag- agree. Um, so if they can get into the tournament in, in relatively rude health, then then we could really be on for something. And it, it may be an extended extended holiday for me later this year but oh dear yeah. <laughs> think of all the uh, think of all the, the McDonald's left to order in <laughs> I, I gotta look after myself out there Ben otherwise I come back like a all blown up but um, so yeah it's, it, providing injuries go go Wales's way and, and you know they stay in good health then there's every reason to be optimistic there we go an exciting time in the podcast on the pitch an exciting time everywhere there we go <laughs> We're joined now by uh, rugby writer Mark Orders. How you doing, Mark? Yeah, not too bad at all, Ben. Sort Great. of uh, Monday morning blues, but I'll get over it. <laughs> Consummate professional. Yeah, you've got to be, Ben. Nothing more than a battler. That's what that's what we say about you. But um, so yeah, we've got plenty to talk about in this uh, part of the podcast. Obviously, uh, it's a test week now, isn't it? Exciting times. It is, yeah, and it seems a bit weird as well, you know, sort of uh, the first Ashes test is unfolding and uh, and we're looking ahead to uh, an England-Wales sort of test match. Um, yeah, it takes a bit of uh, getting used to, but yeah, it's uh, it's with us and uh, we're going to have to do the build-up, do the game and then look forward to Cardiff a week later. Obviously, we got uh, four of these test matches, which... Some people think is a bit excessive, um, especially when you're already sort of starting starting to see injuries. Um, four games to get through to the World Cup. How, how should Wales be approaching these games? Do you think, Mark? It, it is a difficult one, isn't it? We were talking about it in work this morning. Really, um, there's a balance been to be struck, really, between getting people game hardened sort of not overexposing them in these matches. So it's really, really difficult. Gatlin's been through it before. Uh, Wales have suffered injuries uh, in previous campaigns. Not his fault. At the end of the day, you can't hide these players. I just sort of, I do wonder whether or not we really, really do need to be playing four of these test matches. Um, there again, I can understand, you know, that perhaps they bring money in as well for the Welsh Rugby Union. Uh, in these difficult times. And um, also, you know, it, it is an opportunity for Gatland to sort of have a look at the squad. But uh, I still got this niggling sort of concern at the back of my mind, you know, about injuries. And we've had the best part of a year, more, two, three, four years to look at players. And uh, so Gatland really ought to have an opinion now, I'm sure he has, about who he's going to put in his squad. Um, so yeah, those are my concerns anyway. Yeah, kind of echoing Mark's concerns there as well, Ben. 
I was covering the game four years ago um, against Italy over in the Principality Stadium. Um, where Reese Webb and, and Lee Halfpenny were were sort of lost to us. Uh, both suffered pretty serious injuries. Um, ruled them out of the World Cup, and um, it was a horrible atmosphere in the stadium that day. Um, I think most people you speak to, well, certainly in my my five five year career and counting, is the worst worst experience I've had covering covering a game. It was it was pretty horrible. Um, you know, these players spend a lot of their time building up to this this sort of seven week period that we're about to encounter, and for it to be snatched away at um, at such a sort such a, a late stage, really, um, it is pretty horrible. And and you just sort of felt like the rest of the players then were just trying to get through the game. Um, rather, you know, the results are relevant. Um, you know, they just lost two of their best players, and you know, everyone was just trying to get through the match unscathed. Then, um, so you you've got to have similar concerns to Mark. You know, do you, do you really need four? Um, I mean, it was three. It's been three in the past, um, and you know, like Mark said, perhaps you see the benefits of of the money that they bring in and things like that. But it, like you said, there's there's definitely a balance to be struck, and and I'd be surprised if if a few of the coaches are not watching these games through their fingers, to be honest, because you know how often does he want to put his first choice fifteen in harm's way between now uh, and the first game in Toyota City on September the twenty third. Oh, so it's, it's, it's a very well-made point. Obviously, four games. I know there's no such thing as friendlies in in rugby. It's all tests. But and and, and I know the argument would be that they'll they'll need these uh, these four games to, to get up to speed ahead of Japan. But the likelihood is that a lot of these boys, well, none of these boys, you'd hope, are going to play four games in a row. Which I suppose that brings us quite nicely onto the next point, which is who's going to play at Twickenham next week. What are your thoughts on that, Mark? Yeah, uh, I did a team uh, at the weekend. It, it was there was you know there was a uh, I, I dug out the old crystal ball and, and came up with a side. Uh, I, th- I think he needs to put out a side that that does offer some uh, players opportunities, sort of borderline calls if you like. Um, maybe Hallam Amos on the wing, possibly. Um, Perhaps Jake Ball as well, and, and Owen Watkin in midfield. But I think, I think also he needs to put out a side. I, I know it's a friendly, but it is England at Twickenham, and, and it's got to be a recognisably competitive side. So again, it's that key word really: balance. You know, he needs to use these matches to give opportunities to people, but he really he's got to be careful. I mean, I don't think I'd start Alan Wynn uh, next weekend. I'd keep him back for the the two games in Cardiff perhaps. Um, and, and certain players, you know, you, you've got to be careful that you don't overexpose them in these matches. So yeah, he, he's got to use he's got to use common sense and cotton wool, dare I say. But, you know, Wales want to be competitive because it is all about momentum as well. Mark, one thing I noticed from your team is is Noah in Lane in there. What 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 do you think the thought process will be there? Well, I, I think that probably if we look at it now, Hallam Amos, I guess if Wales are taking five uh, five sort of back three guys, then four of them sort of pick themselves: Josh Adams, Liam Williams, George North. Lee Halfpenny, assuming he's fit. Yeah. So then you've got to uh, pluck one from the remaining four, and those four are Steph Evans, Jonah Holmes, Owen Lane, and Alan Amos. I just think the while Owen Lane has got 
strong clearance because he's a strong runner and he offers something a little bit different. Just think that Haaland's experience, his versatility, his class, um, I think it may sort of, I think he, he's probably the front runner of the four. So I think that give him an opportunity to, it could be Owen Lane, it's, it's, not, it's, not, a, it's not a huge thing for me. Give either Haaland or Lane an opportunity this weekend, see how they go, and um, you know there'll be opportunities. There's four games to come. All all these other guys will have minutes. Um, but yeah, I, I sort of I see Harlem as perhaps being just ahead of the other four. So I'd sort of say to him, look, here you are. You have a chance to put the bar in place and you know set it there for the rest to see if they can better it. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. You know, we, we talked about this on Saturday, didn't we? I, 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 we did. I, I, I see. Uh, I see it being a, people like Owen Lane, Jared Evans, Reese Carey. I, I don't. I don't see them getting their sort of their, their chance in, in these matches until maybe it's probably just a little bit too late. I see them coming in for probably the Cardiff games when they'll suddenly have a lot of work on their hands to sort of to to, to book that plane ticket, won't they? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I looked at this squad this morning actually, and I, I went through it, and there are not that many. Places really to be filled. I don't think really. Um, I'd say there's a back three spot. There's there's one midfield spot between Owen Watkin and Scott Williams. I think the if he's taking two fly halves, they're nailed on. The three scrum halves are nailed on. Uh, no Reeswebb, of course. Uh, the six props. Well, I think five of them are nailed on. But I think there is an, a, a possible sort of contest between Reese Carey and Wynne Jones. I think the hookers are all sorted, the three of them. Uh, there is a place to be fought over at lock, and then back row, we don't know where we are because of injuries. Yeah, that's fair. And I, I think, Mark, it, the, the theory I've got on it is that if you look at uh, the, the final game against Ireland, that's going to be played after Wales have named their 31-man squad for the World Cup. So Warren Gatland has no choice really but to to put some of his frontline players in in that game. So is there a, is there a school of thought here that he, in order to give them enough rest, he goes full strength in the first game against England, then probably experiments for the middle two matches, one against England and another against Ireland. And then obviously, as we said, he has to go full strength pretty much or he has to at least, you know, put put in players who are going to Japan uh, in that final game against Ireland. So do you sort of go full strength, maybe experiment twice and then full strength again at the end? Is that a, a solid school of thought? Yeah, I mean, it's a difficult one. Wales, Wales on a 14-game unbeaten run. They presumably want to extend that unbeaten run. England at Twickenham is always a very, very difficult game. They apparently will be going full strength. And the expectation, I think, in their camp is that Wales will be going full strength in Cardiff. I mean, look, it's very, very difficult. As Ben and I were saying on Saturday, back in 2015, there was an agreement between the coaches whereby the Cardiff match, uh, the two sides experimented and then they went full strength uh, a fortnight later in Dublin, mm. where Game Wales actually won. So it's difficult to know if any such agreements have been set in place. Um, I, I would certainly agree with you, uh, Matt, you know, that in that final game, both Wales will be full strength when, when they play Ireland in Cardiff um, a month or so from now. And I've got a sneaky suspicion. They won't want to be losing in Cardiff as well, you know. So 
it's, uh, it's as I say, you know, it's a juggling act for Gatland. Myself, I think it's too many matches. I, I, I think they could have got away with three. Um, but uh, it's a juggling act for him. But he has got huge experience. Selection is his forte. You wouldn't really want anybody else doing this particular job at this particular time. Well, there we go. I think that is the perfect place to uh, to leave that bit off there. Uh, cheers for joining us today, Mark. Yeah, no problem at all, Ben. Enjoyed it. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. All right. Thanks very much, man. So uh, interesting stuff uh, from Mark there. Always always great to have Mark on the podcast. Yeah, it's good to have him on. It's good that we we can now get him on a bit more regularly as well. He's uh, We've done a couple of them in the past myself in airports in, in Six Nations destinations over the years. He's always good value. I've never I've never had the uh, the sort of the pleasure of, of, of a Mark Orders trip uh, with Wales Online. I've never, oh. had, never had an airport uh, it's an exper- podcast with him. It's an experience, mate. But yes, um, you know, he, he touched upon uh, injuries there and all, all these four uh, warm-up games, and we've just had probably the first big injury of the summer, and that's that's a massive blow for Wales, isn't it? It's Tolopi Falatau out of the World Cup. Yeah, I mean, Falatau is probably the last person that Wales would have wanted to lose. Uh, I know that sounds strange to say because he hasn't played, you know, once. Well, he's played once since October. Um, Wales have done just fine without him. Um, but it it remains that he, despite the fact Wales are on this 14 game unbeaten run he would come in and improve the side um, and there's no disrespect in there to the players who've been doing the job like you said they've been in fantastic shape they've they've played you know some brilliant rugby and some very successful rugby um, but you know you look back I always look at the try that Falatau scored against New Zealand on the Lions tour and it just reminds you of how much quality he actually possesses. He had no right to score that try and left behind him some very good rugby players. Um, you know, he's just total world class. But uh, he's gone, so you move on. Um, I know it's, that's the, the nature of the beast now. We're into the, the last few weeks before the Rugby World Cup and they can't, they can't dawdle on what, you know, what may or may not be an unfortunate situation. First and foremost, you th- your sort of thoughts went out to Falatau. He's, he's trained quite hard over the last couple of months to get himself back in shape. Um, obviously, he's had a bit of bad luck refracturing that, that forearm um, in the game in January against Wasps. And, you know, these guys are the best in the world and they should be playing on the biggest stage in the world. So it's, it's, it is tough. Um, but, you know, the nature, like I said, the nature of the beast is now his ne- next cab off the rank. But that's maybe where... We've always talked about Wales having loads of back row depth, and they have. But number eight has always been a bit of a problem position because you go beyond Falatau and Ross Moriarty, or Ross Moriarty as he's called. Not, I don't know. <laughs> Moriarty. Moriarty. Um, yeah, you go beyond him and Ross, and and suddenly uh, you you're sort of clutching at straws a little bit in that regard when it comes to specialist number eights. Well, yeah, I mean, Wales have been very short of specialist number eights and that's not really much of a secret. Um, it's probably the main position that Warren Gatland will have had concerns in terms of depth. Um, a lot was a lot was expected of Harrison Keddie when he came out of the under-20s. Um, he was part of that brilliant campaign that won the Grand Slam at that level. Um Myself included, I uh, has got very high hopes for Harrison Kelly that he perhaps hasn't quite delivered on. He's had a couple of injuries and things haven't quite gone smoothly in his transition into professional rugby. Um, and there's still a lot of time for that to be sorted out. You know, we're not writing Harrison Kelly off. 
obviously Dan Baker's had a had a very nasty injury, a very very nasty leg injury that has kept him out for quite some time. Um, and yeah, beyond that, is you know they've tried things. Um, fortunately, Ross Moriarty has been able to come in and, and, and fill the void there. Uh, Josh Navidi can do a job there if required, but you know already we're not talking about specialist number eights here. We're talking about guys who can come in and do a job if if required and. Um, you know, Navidi would probably be the the next best option to to Moriarty if if he gets you know well when he gets back fit. You know, he, when we were in Switzerland, he wasn't fully fit. He was still feeling the effects of that uh, that elbow dislocation after the um, after the Six Nations. So yeah, I mean, it is a problem for Warren Gatland this this perceived lack of depth at number eight. Um, fortunately, there are players there who can come in for now. But you know, we were just saying when the news broke last week, if you lose. He's just one injury away from suddenly having a very serious issue at, at number eight. So, you know, touch wood, things go well for for Wales and, and particularly Moriarty at the moment. But, you know, what are we saying now as well? If you look at the makeup of the squad, um, how much game time is Ross Moriarty going to have to play before the World Cup? Because what are the options? As I've alluded to, you know, we don't know how fit Josh Navidi is. So are you really looking at playing your best option at number eight in three warm-up matches before the World Cup, you know, at least, uh, which is why I'm surprised he hasn't called on anyone else. You know, you, th- you look at, you know, Seb Davis has been asked to play number eight for Wales before, albeit with with very little success. It must be said that didn't go well, but, you know, he can do it. Um, Dan Lydiot has shown he can do it. Um, Josh Turnbull, probably not a number eight option, but it would bolster back row stocks um, just for the time being. And, you know, all three of those guys who you mentioned could come straight in and and would slot into that environment seamlessly because they all know it. Um, Thomas Young, another one who could bolster the stocks. But, you know, number eight options are limited. And, you know, maybe, you know, I don't know the fitness of Harrison Keddy at the moment, but that crossed my mind for a second as well. You just bring him in for the sake of giving Ross Moriarty a break but you know I'm not in the business of dishing out caps for no reason but um, yeah Wales are short there um, and I'm surprised he hasn't moved to to provide a bit more cover during this this sort of next next five weeks because for, for all our all our strengths in the back row and we have got a strong back row this is the one injury that really does throw everything sort of into doubt because Simon did a piece, I think it was last week, and he got criticised for calling it a back row crisis. Yeah. I think it was obviously Ellis Jenkins looking like he's going to miss out. And yeah. when you add that to the Fowler injury, you, you call it a back row crisis. And I think the general reaction was, what crisis? We've still got plenty of back row players. But just because of the nature of its Fowler you are, as you mentioned, you then bring in... Josh Navidi's got to cover eight as well as seven and six. Yeah. Moriarty's got to take a workload. I think. Look, sorry, mate. It, stre- it just stretches the back row to a point that probably we haven't really been stretched to at the minute. Obviously, with James Davis, nothing official is there, but we understand that. Yeah. He might be struggling. Aaron Shingler's not a lot of rugby, and it is a really sort of um, stretching situation for that back row. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we've talked about it for quite some time about the strength and depth in the Welsh back row. Um, Maybe we got complacent with it. Maybe it's, you know, I think everyone's senses are heightened because the World Cup is not very far away and suddenly um, reality is sort of biting a little bit and we're, we're seeing players get injured. And, you know, I sort of felt 
you know, I, when we when we saw the news last last week, I was a bit like, oh god, that's a bit of a blow. That that's a that's a really big blow. But then I thought, well, this this sort of news should be expected. Um, yeah. We're going to lose players. It just happens. Yeah. Um, and and we've done it before. And Wales have got to overcome them. And we should we should have not been so naive as to believe that we can get through to the World Cup without losing somebody. It has come in a position where Wales are are a little bit short, so that is a, a concern. But I, you know, I would argue like so that there are players that remain who are who are playing very well and have done for for a long time and have played in ten, eleven, and twelve of of these fourteen unbeaten matches. And you know, maybe Ross Moriarty might feel like he's a, a little bit. Um, Miffed at, at perhaps the way this has been perceived. I don't know that. It's not any inside information or anything. But if I was Ross Moriarty, I'd probably be stood there thinking, "Hang on, I've just, I've just played in a Grand Slam. I, you know, I've, I've played in the bulk of these unbeaten matches. Let's everybody just calm down a sec. You know, Toby or Talupe is a, a great player, but I can, um, I can do the job as well. So, uh, but you do start to run into issues if Moriarty gets hurt. Then, oof then there's, there's real concerns. Because interestingly, I think I think the reaction from the general public has probably been, oh, you know, we won a 14-match winning streak, we won a Grand Slam, we're fine with Moriarty, you know, I've seen people saying foul is not a great loss, but for me, it's, it's less to do with... <laughs> I wouldn't the, go that far. Exactly, it's less to do with the personnel numbers. Okay, obviously, if Moriarty gets injured, we are low. It's, it's more how Wales can evolve their game, because mm. for me, I think foul can do things in the wider channels that Moriarty maybe can't which can help Wales sort of develop their game I don't know if they want to go that way that's that's the other thing I don't you look at how Wales play at the minute it's a sort of to get technical it's a one three three one sort of forward formation where you've got two pods of three playing in the sort of central channels of the pitch and you normally have a forward on either sort of side wing just sort of hanging out and normally be like a Ken Owens and a Justin Tipperick you know, Moriarty sort of tends to stay in the centre of the pitch, which, you know, we saw against England, Scotland and Ireland, that worked really well because Wales were able to keep the ball for 20, 30 phases and just, just hammer them through it, just, you know, marginal gains and just be really efficient. Having Falatau, you could then look at maybe playing a 2-4-2 where you sort of move two more forwards out to the wider channels and it just opens up dis- different possibilities. Look at the sort of the best teams. New Zealand sort of flip between them. The Scarlets, when they were successful, flip between them. It's something I can see Pivak doing. I don't know whether Gatland would want to do it, but I know that Rob Howley would want to develop the attack from being very economic and efficient in the Six Nations to being a bit more fluent. Whether whether now losing Falatau sort of hinders that, it just remains to be seen. Well, it does, but I would I would raise questions as to why you would want to change too much, to be honest with you, because you know they just won the Six Nations, you know stuttered at the start but you know once Wales got ahead against England it never looked in doubt it I don't think it ever looked in doubt at all against Ireland um in the in the big ones you know so I know what you mean it, it probably does restrict the options there in the way that they can play but um I would always argue um a bit of caution as well you've got to go forward before you go wide um so uh I'm not saying that there's anybody else who could perhaps do what he Falatau can in the wide channels, and you know as I've alluded to, it, 
you know, you don't need to look any further than that try score against New Zealand to prove that Moriarty probably can't operate like he can in the wide channels, but he brings a lot of things that, that are very, very valuable, um, which is why I'd like to see him protected as much as possible in these warm-up matches, but we come back to it, you know, who's going to fill the void? And yep. uh, that's that's why my concern is over him not perhaps calling up anyone to, re- to replace uh, Falata. So obviously you said, um, obviously Wales named their final 31-man squad in between the two Ireland games. So they yes. play, play Ireland in Cardiff. Then it's, I don't know, is it the Monday or the Tuesday they named the 31-man squad? Uh, it's got to be submitted to World Rugby on the Monday, but they don't have to release it to the public then. So, okay. I mean, it, it can come out. I'm sure we'll get a bit of a heads up when, when it's coming, but it has to be submitted on that Monday, yeah. I believe. And then, obviously, then the following Saturday, which is the 7th of September, they face uh, Ireland, Ireland in Dublin. Nice, yeah. little, nice little trip myself. Yeah, you can me stick on this podcast, but you get clocking up a bit, a few air miles there. Yeah. Dublin's not it's not exactly a, a long trip is it but, well, it's not um, Tokyo mate but you know no but uh, is there anything to stop Wales keeping sort of the the excess players for a lack of a better word yeah. those those sort of 11 that don't make the final cut is there anything to stop Wales keeping them around and, and playing them in that game I, I know Gatlin wouldn't want to because it's a hindrance to his preparation yeah. but if we are getting down the track and we're sort of having to wrap Ross Moriarty in bubble wrap that's I'm not, not a bad way to go I'm not sure what the regulations are on all that, um, but I I would raise if that was a possibility. I would wonder why it perhaps didn't happen four years ago, um, because obviously with the injuries that we we suffered, yeah. um, I'm not sure what the I'm not sure what the regulations are on that. Actually, I feel I think I'm getting my sports mixed up. I do remember that Emma Hughes played uh, for Wales football team. After the like the day or two after getting dropped by the uh, t- squad ahead of the Euros, but um, it might be different in rugby. I assume that, knowing rugby as we do, I assume the rules are very convoluted and very difficult to follow. Um, but I'm sure that I'm sure if that was a possibility, then They'd we, have we might have seen that happen in the past. Um, but like you said as well, you know, if, I'm not sure what value or what those players might be feeling you know if you've just been told you're not going to the World Cup yeah. but can you go and play against Ireland so we don't injure anyone who we're actually taking let's be fair you've got to, you've got to go out into that match in good faith hoping that you won't I mean, injure anyone and that you, you, you gain a bit more momentum because at the end of the day if someone does get injured in that Ireland game obviously they miss out on the World Cup and it's it's not brilliant and it probably puts you in a bad position but in terms of logistics it's not the end of the world is it because if they get injured then you've got three days before Wales actually fly out to Japan. Yeah. So in terms of actually replacing that player, logistically, it's it's not a bad position to be in. Personnel-wise, it might be different, but logistically, you're sort of okay. Well, I mean, the wider point here is um, these players have to play matches. You can't go into the World Cup undercooked. Um, you know, Wales have got... You know, the game against Ireland on the 7th, I believe, September... They don't play then until the twenty third. Yeah, you know that's a long that's a long break for an international period. Um, so you know what are we talking there? Sixteen days. So you know, boy, the players have to play. Um, you know they're going to have these camp this camp in Kitakushu, but that's not going to you know you're not going to replicate match intensity in training. So 
you know, I, I guess you just got to play them and, and cross everything, really, and hope that you have a quiet afternoon in Dublin, to be honest, mate. Absolutely. Hope, hopefully it's been nice and quiet. I don't I don't really fancy sort of reliving your traumatic... Yeah, no, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't hope so. Wales-Italy game from five, four years ago. I, I just hope for a nice nice game in Dublin. Hopefully, yeah. Nice nice and easy. Everyone comes back and then we can all we can all jump on a plane to the, Tokyo. The winning, we can all jump on it, son. Uh, just, <laughs> just, just, the, just the select few. Just the few, yeah. <laughs> so I think that's, uh, that's it for this, uh, this first new look. Uh, podcast, the new and improved uh, model. So, um, uh, the next podcast, uh, we we did tell you that we'd sort of inform you when the next one would be. That's going to be Friday, which is when Wales are naming their team to face England. Uh, obviously, the match being on Sunday at Twickenham. I think that's that's me and you down for that one, isn't it? That's yeah, we're down in London. Yeah, nice little car journey. Yeah, nice early start, late finish. That's what we like. You've never you've never experienced my car, my driving before, have you? No, I'll be behind the wheel there and back. I think, Benjamin. Uh, oh, you, you don't you don't know how pleased I am to hear their words. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so we'll be a podcast on Friday. Um, it'd be great if uh, we could sort of field your questions on the team. So if you want to get your questions in, or any comments about the podcast, but mainly questions, um, you can sort of let us know uh, using our Twitter, which is at Wales Rugby. So uh, feel free to sort of get as many questions as you can on on Wales because it's you know it's a massive week, isn't it? It's the first. First of many, many important matches now for Wales. Yeah, yeah, just you know, just so the team's going to be out around midday. Then we'll be up at the Vale for a press conference at one o'clock, um, and we'll be recording the podcast when we get back from the Vale. So you're going to have about four or five hours there to to chuck us your questions after the team announcement, and uh, and we'll put them to the boys. We might get Andy or Simon on as well uh, later this week. So yeah, make sure you send yeah. them in. Introduce them to the new technology. Yeah, we'll get them on the new uh, the new microphones and the headphones. That'll be. Uh, Actually, we might set a camera up for that, trying to show them how to use this. Get a, get a few hundred quid off you being framed or something. Absolutely. So, yeah, that, that goes, uh, goes without saying. So, as always, if you have enjoyed this podcast, give it a like, give it a subscribe. That always helps us massively. Uh, but other than that, thanks for listening. You can catch all the latest on Wales Online. <laughs>